Hello, and welcome to the Grand Cinema Hotel, a podcast hosted by two friends who love cinema. I'm Gus, and I'm joined by my co-host Alvaro. Tonight, you're staying in room 165, John Wick Chapter 4, the newest film in the franchise directed by Chad Stahelski. So go ahead, get comfortable, and throw on that Do Not Disturb sign as we go on a globe-trotting revenge tour in John Wick Chapter 4. Epic Fortnite gamers, it's time to rise and grind. John Wick is in grave danger. Our friend is trapped in Dusty Divot, surrounded by fake defaults with no shields or weaponry. And the only one who can help is you to save him. and thank you for checking back in to the Grand Cinema Hotel. As always, I'm joined by Alvaro. What's up, guys? And before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe or comment on whatever podcasting platform it is you listen to or YouTube, however you want to do it. Uh, But we're here to talk about a really, really fun time at the movies that we had recently, and it's all thanks to John Wick. Alvaro, how did you feel after you walked out of this movie for the first time, and how do you feel about the John Wick franchise in general? Yeah, damn. So this this was a a film that I think I was kind of late to the first one as the franchise kind of developed. Um I think I I kind of thought that these would be similar to um the Transporter series or maybe even um what's the what's the one with uh I think it's called Shooter or like a, with Mark Wahlberg. I don't think that's a franchise. That's just one movie. I'm pretty yeah, sure. yeah, but I'm thinking of something else. Are you but thinking about like the Equalizer or yeah, but like so similar to those. What I at first thought was because maybe we'll kind of get more into depth with this. But Keanu Reeves' career, I didn't necessarily see as somebody that they would have picked up again for uh, serious movie making. And and I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is um, by the time that I ended up catching the second one, I did feel like the second one was a really good um, action film. And it made me want to go retroactively go to the first one. Um, and then I kind of just really appreciate what John Wick um, offers, I guess, into the scope of cinema. Um, action films are one of those things that like, I do enjoy, but I think um, I only really en- I only enjoy the really good ones. You know what I mean? I don't re- I can- I'm not really like I am with horror or sci-fi where I'll watch like a B grade or something like that to just appreciate the attempts. I think with action, I'm like, mm, either give me like a lot of that Hong Kong old um, Chinese action Jackie Chan stuff or I don't really want to see too much of it. I mean, there's a lot of bad action films and I think a, a good one that I want to bring up is maybe like even The Gray Man. And so those um, those movies kind of veer me off from action. But John Wick... Um, especially this fourth movie, I think really pushes the boundaries of what action movies are supposed to be. And this fourth one, I just really walked out feeling like, um, it's one of the most fun I think I've had in, in the movies in a long time, especially how long the movie is. And I just really felt like they pushed the boundaries, honestly. All right. Nice. Um, so kind of similar to you, I don't think I saw the first one in the theaters. I was also kind of late to it. Um, it kind of show, goes to show you how far this franchise has really come that uh, the first one was was very small, you mm-hmm. know, and it kind of was something that you could uh, think it was swept under the rug at the time. I right? think so. Um, there's no way that it was 
it could have ever been known that it was going to end up like this. Um, but I think John Wick, the original film, was kind of lightning in a bottle in a time where action films were kind of getting old and tired. Yeah. Um, maybe something you were trying to allude to was something like the Taken series. Because uh, you kind of started there, but then... I think you were trying to find like what films you were talking about specifically that you don't like about the genre. And uh, for me, Taken would be something like that. Kind of that mid-2000s uh, to up to like 2013 kind of action film is not really for me. Uh, and I would even say past John Wick, the, some of the other recent action movies that we've had, like The Gray Man, uh, while I do find that film enjoyable because of Ryan Gosling and Anna de Armas, uh, I do think that that's kind of one of the every, everything that's wrong with the genre. Um, especially when these films, you know, it, the, it's there in the title action, right? So mm-hmm. when a film like the gray man is boring, uh, or an action movie in general is boring, I just feel like you've automatically been dropped. You know what I mean? It's not something that could be forgiven. I know what um, it is. We'll go ahead. Is Jay the born, the born supreme, like Jason Bourne. That's early two thousands though. That's like 2003, four or five, somewhere around there. But even like, even those, that's kind of what I was talking about. Like those are already stuff that I, I wasn't a fan of. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, a lot of people like those movies. Okay. Yeah, I get you. Uh, I'm not really a fan of those movies either. That might be one of the reasons I don't really like Matt Damon as well. Like, I've, yeah. I've grown on him uh, more the older he's gotten. Uh, but those Bourne films were not for me. Yeah. It was taken. Uh, the other one, what's the one with uh, Angelina Jolie? Uh, Bend the Bullet, right? <laughs> Want, uh, wanted, wanted right yeah. yeah that's another one uh even those transporter movies not not really my style i kind of enjoyed more of the little more grounded denzel washington action movies like man on fire or something like that yeah exactly um even the equalizer i do enjoy those films as well uh but yeah john wick was a film that like i said i don't think either of us were really too familiar with it until the second one but i think they all get better so we have been doing rankings recently, but I kind of feel it's safe to say that these have gotten better the more they go along. Do you kind of feel similar to that? Yeah, definitely. It's not something I feel like, oh, let's save it because we're going to, you know, duke it out on no four is better than three, blah, 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 whatever. You know, like we did with Scream or something like that. I think it's easier to just get it out of the way now. Uh, I think that this is the best one. I'm pretty sure you agree. Yeah. And I do think that it's a... The first one is somehow the worst one now, and not only because it's uh, it's not a bad movie by any means. It's just the action has gotten bigger. The scale has gotten bigger. Uh, the revenge has gotten more intense. Yeah. I just think uh, it's ratcheted up every single time to a point where this is uh, like the pinnacle peak to me of like action cinema and John Wick and the John Wick franchise. Like This is peak. I think similar... It's almost like a perfect synchrony, similar to the film um, Chad Stilinski, right? Chad Stahelski. Stahelski, sorry. He uh, has also been, I guess, even more trusted by Lionsgate. The more and more of these films have acclaimed, and so he's been given slightly bigger budgets every single time, and I think he's made do with that. But also, similarly in the story, John Wick has traveled through um, just bringing on bigger and bigger foes by making even um, crazier decisions. And I think to be able as a director to have the backing of a studio and be able to kind of give the audience what you would imagine, like, oh, so things are going to get bigger, and they do, I think is why it really pays off. Because like you said, when you buy that ticket for the action movie on Thursday previews for us, right, or on Friday night for your friends, 
you want a really good time. And I think every single time this movie has, um, if you're into the first one, they're like, if I already got you with this first one, you're only going to be really more impressed. And I think that's also something that's really hard for most other franchises or even other movies to do. Yeah, I, I like what you said about the progression of the scale of these movies and Lionsgate giving Chad Stahelski more and more uh, pull and money to make these movies. I don't think it's felt wasted at all. Exactly. I do think that the John Wick budgets, the more they've grown, uh, then the story gets bigger. The It's, it's only made it better. Um, there is some... You know, there's some stories out there where more money wouldn't fix the problem. Exactly. But I don't feel that way about the John Wick movies because of what they're about. Um, they are important to the scope of cinema, like you said, of just pushing the boundaries of what you can do in an action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these are really important American films as well. because, And the reason I say that is because I do think that, you know, Long Gone are the days of, like, Die Hard and Lethal Weapon and these action franchises that work, or Arnold Schwarzenegger or uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? So we've kind of been missing the quintessential action movies that, you know, from the American perspective at least. Uh, and the reason I, I'm uh, harping on the American aspect of it is because I'm not going to disrespect the other countries and be like, oh, there's no good action movies anywhere because I'm sure a lot of the best action movies that have inspired John Wick are non-American films. Yeah. You know? Like you were saying, like uh, Hong Kong films or Chinese films or Japanese films or even European action films, you know, stuff like The Raid 2. That's Yeah, uh, The Raid 2. Yeah, exactly. Or even now, uh, other recent films like RRR, you know, so action in general is kind of having its renaissance, which I think, um, I think is actually a renaissance because they said that about horror for a long time, but kind of revisiting some of the horror movies of the early 2000s and 2010s, there's still a lot of good ones. And I would argue that there's less good action movies than any of the other genres that we are actually into. I think this might be a little early into the episode to bring this up, but um, just because I was reading about it, because in the first John Wick, I think it's there's a pairing between the current director and I think it has something to do also with the director um, of Atom, no, of, yeah, Bullet Train. Talking about David Leach, that's like one of his partners. Yeah, right. And so they kind of just talked about the reason I bring it up is because the difference in between their careers, and they are both obviously made an action film kind of similar to each other, and I mean are pretty close to each other in terms of uh like how soon they came out and what release years, um, Bullet Train and this, and I think to really see the the difference in terms of like what kind of action movies they are. Um, I think they're polar opposites and for them to be kind of known to be like partners, I think just really shows how um, kind of just basing it off of like, you know, I want to see asses being kicked and really cool um, lighting and all this stuff isn't really the like not everybody can pull it off. And there and I only bring that up because they have a lot of similarities, but they just don't deliver exactly the same i don't think they have the same amount of care that's an interesting perspective because i know you like bullet train Mm -hmm. i don't know how you feel about the deadpool movies because he did the second one yeah exactly i haven't seen atomic blonde but you know i heard it was uh lady john wick so i'm not opposed to seeing it but i just haven't gotten around to it yet right but uh yeah i mean i I guess i could see that comparison coming from you because you actually like bullet train yeah yeah. because i mean i like them for different reasons our uh 
our degree of appreciation for bullet train varies very uh very opposite directions <laughs> that's why I, 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 I bring that up yeah i mean just because um i like them for different reasons but it's obvious which one has take like takes more care or takes itself more seriously and i think that um while I could say that I enjoy Bullet Train, I don't think the things that it achieves is nearly close to the stuff that... I mean, we're playing the third one right now just as a background, as we always like to do. And I think that that's even... It's before this fourth one, I had uh, revisited the third one. And just that's what I appreciated more about this third one and revisit is that every single time the fights and the scenes and the choreography just steps up. And I mean, this movie completely blows away the other these past three renditions um just by every every single like the big fights in the third one and the second one and the first one are just mere like appetizers in this fourth one you know yeah i get you um very humble beginnings you know yeah and to see where we are now like an indiana jones level adventure exactly it's really fun to see that um i do think that lionsgate and chad stahelski and keanu reeves have really treated this franchise the right way mm -hmm. i think there's a level of sincerity there and true appreciation for it that maybe i don't see in bullet train you know a little too much wink wink self-awareness for me yeah a little too much comedy um, I, uh, not to say that John Wick is not funny because they are it deeply is. funny movies. They're very absurd slapstick Looney Tunes like movies, but they never take a second to, to let you know that it's silly. You and know, it saying. plays it so straight and that's what makes it funny as opposed to how, I don't know, something like bullet train or Deadpool would, uh, make sure, you know, grab you by the collar and say, Hey, this is supposed to be funny. It's not bring them up because there's, they're actually really close to each other. They're similar, but there's a slight execution style, obviously that changes them drastically, even as somebody who likes both of them. But I think that's goes down to the director. Yeah. Um, a moment I would say from the first John wick movie that kind of encapsulates what I'm talking about is when he gets thrown from the second story to the first story. And you would think, like, oh, he's going to go through a glass table or you're going to, you know, in a worser movie, he'd be like, oh, fuck. But he just thuds onto the ground and it's played so straight and so real where you're like, that looks so fucking painful that he just got thrown from one story to the next. He doesn't even bounce. He just, boom, impacts right into the floor, you know. And it kind of was a uh, a telltale sign of what was to come, you know. Like these movies are going to have these really hilarious moments, but you never really have a second to think about it. Like there's there's any moments like in the third one, and that uh, they're kind of like in that warehouse with a bunch of just swords and knives and stuff like that, right? And uh, when him and John uh, John Wick and the guys fighting are like both breaking the glass at the same time to pull out that's, knives, that's, that's humor, or those kind of scenes where. You know, he gets into a standoff and both of them, their magazine is emptied and they're both, who's going to reload it faster? You know, John Wick, boom, shoot him in the head. Like there's just so many great comedic moments in these movies that uh, are just like why I like going to the movies and enjoying them with an audience as opposed to watching these at home. Exactly. Uh, that, I don't know, I, I just feel like I don't really get it anywhere else except for John Wick. Like this, just this weird, absurd I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like similar to the feeling you get when you watch Jackass. You know what I mean? Where you want to stand up and like, oh, that was nuts. You know? Yeah. No, because yeah. I, I think uh, the fourth one, why we obviously we're going to be, that's what the episode's mostly about or fanboying about the most is the fourth one, I think for every equal crazy choreograph choreography and fights and, um, you know, stunts, 
that are pulled off there's equal moments of um amazing cinematography and this just absolute framing and just this this really good tension and i was going to say um some uh, an issue that i think anybody has it's human to um it's kind of a term kind of called like white noise right and i think um there's a certain point in the john wick movies where they're fighting for so long i think it's just a stunt honestly because they could pull it off they're fighting for so long that they have to get creative in terms of how much flips uh, you know john wick can do keanu reeves can do as a human which ends up kind of I, I, that's the realism i like that after a certain point you could see how tired even yeah. john wick is right and i think it's because we're it really is you know keanu reeves really in just having this crazy endurance but i was gonna say is that it understands that you can only show me him flipping or you know going under and hitting him from his ankle so many times but in this fourth one they elevate that so much more by those moments where it might become dull by showing me camera camera work that might become crazy or lighting that might be interesting or a different choice of how they're going to try to kill him and this fourth one they try using cars in a certain scene you know or even the dragon breath bullets that they do that they use which ends up becoming this amazing scene um and i, I think that's where the fourth one really steps everything up like you said that's where the money is going the budget um there's certain scenes where we talk we kind of joked about um, why does this look like Lawrence of Arabia, you know, at a certain point? Obviously, it's a joke, but no, but it really did look really good. Um, that, and to really see, um, again, to bring up the, the Gray Man, $250 million budget, you know, compared to $100 million, yeah, $100 million budget um, kind of just proves how much more these movies that we love so more and seem to be pushing in the medium could be, be could be made if the right directors who cared about um making you know action films seem as serious as they can be like what what would happen if we actually got more of that this is a call to all directors that a hundred million dollars is more than enough yeah if you can't make it look like john wick four or like nope or uh, Creed, or anything like then you failed. You don't got the vision the way that these guys have the vision. Because apparently this is enough money to make an absolutely stunning, gorgeous, maybe one of the best, like, I guess in my personal preference for style, one of the best looking movies I've ever seen. No, yeah, definitely. You know? So, I don't know, man. I just think it's pretty cool that these movies could cost half of some of these other other movies that are out there and just blow them out of the fucking water and again just because we've we've talked about this uh which feels like the fourth straight episode in a while besides the probably the ant-man episode but um the studios are taking their sequels very seriously and i think it might be obviously involved with the directors that are behind it we kind of talked about uh relation to last year top gun with john wick four but the director's just caring so much more about elevating their source i think the fact that they gave him so much money in this one the fourth one and he's able to you know i like that you brought up like the raid too and like those are obvious things that he is bringing up and obviously it seems almost like this film is a homage to like all of the best type of you know martial arts movies that you can think of and um I, I just really was blo obviously we're still kind of in the beginning here but i was just really blown away by this movie um considering it's been a year where a lot of the sequels have been really good this movie just honestly just rocks yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Wick is the ultimate dude's rock movie huh yeah i mean geez <laughs> yeah i mean just uh harpening back to the action stuff i do think that action is just really having 
what a moment for it, right? Like the highest of highs. And it's because they've mostly been big budget. Not to say that that makes them better, but, you know, the love and the care and the respect for a genre movie at the end of the day is uh, is now there for some people. You know, the uh, Top Gun, Avatar, the Batman, John Wick, you know, these are movies that got the love and care that they deserve to transcend just being genre into being like truly just great movies Dude. you know like these are movies where uh well because they're sequels you could say it's everything wrong with movies right exactly. no yeah, original exactly. ideas yeah. yeah yeah but it's being done with so much care and so much love this isn't fucking i don't know uh the movies from tropic thunder what are the ones that ben stiller's in where there's like six of them like the, scorcher or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know this isn't fucking that this is real loving care being put into these movies and uh i don't feel bad when the studios you know, actually do put the love and care in and then um, the mainstream audiences and usually the entire movie audience agrees like, yeah, this is fucking good. Like, this is what we this is what we need is, you know, like the Indiana Jones level budget action movies. Like, how about that? Action's a really fun genre if it's done the right way. I mean, we sat here and we we shed on Halloween. You know what I mean? And that's one of fucking the, sucks. That's one of them where they've put the money supposedly and the care and everything, but it just doesn't work. Um and 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 then just John Wick is something uh, <clears throat> maybe in an artsy snobby way maybe seen as a mainstream type of film and doesn't really necessarily need to have the uh, pressure to push the boundary. But the fact that um, it's art, it's easily right as of right now. And I and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it now. It's gonna seem like a hard hard time for anybody to really pass it. I'm thinking maybe Bo is afraid because you know that's really up our niche. But like to for it to look better than this movie this year, I I'm gonna be like really surprised if anything really holds my attention for a hundred. What is it? 145 minutes that this film is or something like that. Mm. Um, for it to look amazing in every frame and for an action film that does is very always the genre is kind of put in the same way that comedies are or horror was for a long time to really know that it can transcend. Um, just, I, I, you know, I, I really just enjoy directors that don't really undervalue that they're, you know, doing studio work, that they really feel like they could still voice their own, um, cho creative choices. And I mean, every, every creative choice in John Wick <laughs> four, Hey, there's I, nothing about John Wick that makes me think a studio executive gave a note and yeah, that was what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I think maybe that's kind of what you were talking about. Maybe, you know, Universal gives Jordan Peele the green light. Maybe Lionsgate gives their creatives the green light. Maybe people are picking the wrong studios. Maybe Disney specifically um, doesn't like, you know, giving those creative choices, but... They're I like mean, Big Jim's grandfather did. Everybody else, nobody else gets to make their own decision. Yeah, be like you don't know what's good enough for <laughs> us to trust you, but I, I, I just, every single thing that was... I mean, even Keanu Reeves being like 90% of his stunts on here are him doing it. I think that kind of calls back to Tom Cruise, right? When we talk about some of the last uh, real the actors last that we have. action stars. Yeah, that we have, you know, probably get a little bit more into it. I mean, Keanu Reeves isn't what I wouldn't say a versed actor, but he's been able to just grab the audience's love in these movies. Well, honestly. yeah, he's no fucking Shakespearean actor, but he the man is stunning. What yeah. can I say? And and he He's just undeniable. has charisma. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand because the person he is in real life doesn't uh, 
doesn't give John Wick at all. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. He or well, he's you know his biggest roles and the things he's the most loved for are have always been his action movies. But he's so likable and charismatic in real life that it's kind of funny that the thing he's the best at doing is the opposite of how he is in <laughs> real he's life. He's kind of known for being like really oversensitive, you know, and kind of uh, just the general uh, depiction of him just kind of being very sensitive and almost um, very caring. So it seems like the John Wick type of this boogeyman. He's like one of the last actors we have that people kind of see as pure. Exactly. You know, where they really kind of, you know, Tom Cruise... Uh, Top Gun is amazing, right? Like, did you know Tom Cruise is a Scientologist? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, we we rarely have any actor now that has dodged any kind of weird connection to them outside of acting. And usually, all these stories you hear about Keanu Reeves, like, oh, I met him. He's just a really nice guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or, oh, he came to the wedding next door at the hotel because they knew who he was and he liked them. So, and they invited him, you know. Man. So it's it's nice to see that somebody like that can still kind of you know, swim through all the mud and muck of the disgustingness of Hollywood and still kind of be like a pure movie star. And it's just the funniest part about it is that it's a guy who's not necessarily that good at acting. Yeah. I was, but, uh, you know, not everyone is a five tool player, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. Uh, Keanu Reeves has the other four, but the, you know, the actual speaking and reading of dialogue has kind of always been his, uh, yikes. This was a fun, you know, he'd be the perfect silent movie star. Yeah, this was a, a fun discussion we had when we first walked out of the movie in terms of the the differences and also uh, similarities between Nick Cage and Keanu Reeves, which um, they both have what the other one probably needs to be the greatest actor ever. Exactly. Keanu Reeves could take anywhere near the like the gold acting choices that Nicolas Cage and does, confidence. whether you think they work or not. But yeah, the confidence to go out there and like, nah, you know, I'm actually going to try to reinvent acting um, versus Keanu Reeves's monotone, just alien, alien-like reading of dialogue, right? Like, what do you need, John? I, I need a gun. <laughs> I saw <laughs> you know, somebody. Just, does he know how to talk? You know, like, or is that a choice? Because he's so, he's so different in his interviews, like I've said, that sometimes when he gives off that stoic, it's like surfer meets John Wayne fucking accent that he does. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't I even know what to call it. Like, but anyways, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I saw somebody's comment uh, on Letterboxd talking about, you know, when at the end of the third one, when uh, the Bowery King asked him, like, are you pissed off, John? And he goes, yeah. He's like the only actor that can make, yeah, two syllable word. You know what I mean? Like, right? it, 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 yeah, exactly. He makes one syllable word, two syllable words. Yeah. You ever heard him say consequence? <laughs> yeah. Consequences. Like, he says words like they hurt, you know? Yeah. And but, I wonder if it's just a John Wick thing because it's like maybe John Wick is. His body is riddled with so much pain that he can't even speak normally yeah, exactly. anymore, yeah. right? But I think I'm giving that more credit than they did. No, I just <laughs> no, think it's some it. weird surfer meets John Wayne affectation that he has when he speaks. You know, a little... I don't know. I, I I don't know what to call it, but it fucking works for me. Yeah, and, that's what uh, I say. That's the crazy part is that it uh, it just works. Well, yeah, you know? we. I even made the joke that he couldn't... He's so bad at acting that he couldn't even do the Jared Leto bad at acting thing where like it's a me Paolo like you know like he really couldn't do that Keanu Reeves would find a way to be like it's a me Paolo <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, like, he just I don't know the man can't really act but he it's not even that he can't act it's just his 
his speaking and reading of dialogue is just I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. He speaks like M. Night Shyamalan writes, you know? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I say all that to say that he's also one of my favorite actors of all time. Of course. <laughs> I do. It doesn't. How could he not be? I think right? he's a, the one of a kind. There's nobody like him. We talked about like all the movies that he is in that I do really like, you know, Point Break. Speed, um, speed the matrix you know i find him very intoxicating i mean the the matrix that's what I was, that's what i was gonna uh bring up before is the matrix has given or shout out the wachowskis have given them a lot of pool keanu reeves ever since oh, yeah. the matrix changed the trajectory of his career for sure because he's had many like moments in his career he's never consistently been like the guy i mean even before john wick he was he was bordering on washed upness, you know, of being like, whatever happened to Keanu Reeves? Yeah. But I'm glad it saved his career. And, you know, maybe it's good that actors have these ups and downs. Do we really want them in our faces for like 30 straight years? Yeah, I mean, John, John Wick, um, Keanu Reeves, I think, regardless of his acting or like dialogue reading, I think maybe it was the perfect moment for the two things to meet. Because maybe John Wick just got made because it, it was supposed to be a one-off thing. We'll see how this goes. But it ended up kind of building a community, I think. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be the type of movie that Nicolas Cage is in. Like a ghost of Prisoners of the Ghostland or a Mandy yeah. or something like that. Where it was just meant to be this kind of like, hey, let's make this B movie with a guy who's kind of B movie-ish, really. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, it'll be cult. And uh, you know, maybe it's not going to be the biggest movie in the world, but in 20 years, people are going to be like, John Wick is actually an action masterpiece that revitalized the genre. And it, who would have thought that it was going to end up being the latter, right? I think it's just because even in the first one, what you would have seen as a cult, the cult indications, in all honesty, if it hadn't become a franchise, is the, the style. Movie, the, this, this uh, universe is all about style. I mean, the one thing that it's kept up the whole time is... Um, I think it's world building is where it really um, surpasses anything, even any of the other films that we watch it, regardless of this genre. I think the fact that it can create a world that builds itself without really um, the common, the dialogue giving any much info towards it. We get slight things in this fourth one that gives us more information. You're right about that's like a really good point. I do like that. I'm talking about any movie we've covered on this on this podcast. I do think John Wick might have the best universe world building. Like world building and and at the end of the day I have so many questions though too. I mean we always bring up No it it doesn't matter. Yeah and what the hell is the king of the Bowery? (laughs) And it doesn't matter because uh, I guess like you said we there's a lot of jokes about the the other people in this world who seem to not care that they're being, you know, there's people being stabbed or shot right next to you. For some reason in the second movie when they're dancing in Rome, these people, they're getting chased. They don't care. And then in this fourth one, we have a lot of club scenes and nobody cares that anybody's getting stabbed. Dude, they do for like a second. Yeah. yeah. Someone will be, someone will be dancing and then, you know, John Wick stabs a guy 25 times and then they go back to doing the Roy Purdy dance. Just like, yeah. yeah. No way. Oh, okay. it's, oh, it's John Wick. Okay. Ooh, oh, that me. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just hunting the bad people. No, but I the the world building has so much um, of itself going on. Like you said, this high table entity seems to have so much structure already. So every movie you're just let into a couple more information. But the fact that um, it, it it takes its audience seriously, and I and I think that that's something um, that the action films maybe don't usually do. But here, um, the only part that seems to be um, kind of not as 
detailed or anything is John Wick's past. Besides him having the wife, everything else we just kind of get through. You know, even in this Donnie Yen's character, you this fourth get one. get it through the people he meets. Exactly. Because they're almost all, everybody knows him because he's so famous. Yeah. Um, so he's the only actual mystery. Everything else, um, they give you the credit of being able to learn through just going through the world of the movie. We talked about like the Bowery, right? The fact that every homeless person here is maybe homeless in terms of money, but they have endless information with the high table. Yeah, so we've been going for 30 minutes and we haven't even really started the review of the fourth movie we've just been rambling and ranting and talking about how much we fucking love john, john wick, wick. Yeah. um so we were planning on not giving spoilers for like 20 minutes but how about that we went more than 20 minutes without even really talking about the, the fourth movie. movie yeah so i guess from here on out there there will be spoilers um there's only one or really one or two things to spoil the movie so if you um if you don't want any spoilers, stop right here. I think you can tell we give a glowing, glowing yes recommendation. Two thumbs up, five stars, ten stars. Couldn't recommend you go see this movie anymore. Please see it in IMAX if you can because that that was optimal. Yes. Uh, so my these are the thoughts I really wanted to put down about John Wick uh, just so I can, you know, solidify how I really felt about this. So uh, John Wick Chapter 4 is a neo-noir action masterpiece and the latest film and was now a full-fledged franchise. It is by far the best in the series as the films have continued to get bigger in size and scale. The action is once again grander and more violent than each previous entry. The emotional arc of the first film has always felt like a guiding light that helps hone us in to remember that all of the destruction we have witnessed is for naught. But in my personal opinion, the further we have gotten away from what grounds John to the normal life he so strongly believes he wants, the better the films have gotten. Sure, a dead wife and puppy is enough to fuel any blood-soaked, bullet-riddled revenge quest, but there's something a lot more interesting to me about John Wick being the embodiment of death. While still grounded in the mechanics of the world's rules and physics, John has seemingly become more and more indestructible as each movie passes, and I thoroughly enjoy that aspect. Well said. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I rarely ever write my full thoughts down like that, but honestly, I'm starting to realize that I guess few movies really have that effect on me where I'm like, I need to write this down. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's re- it's really fun to just usually go back and forth with you. But for this one, I felt myself like, nah, man. Nah, I need to give this a, an Ebert level review. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I feel like you agree with me about most of those points, right? Yeah, so I mean, being better. I would say almost 100%, honestly. I can't really think of anything I disagree with uh, the statement. Yeah, like I said, the podcast obviously gives us a big avenue to kind of more dive into the more of the written reviews that sometimes we might do which is always a really fun part but i mean john wick 4 really is that's why i really feel like it's pushing the medium just from the from the get-go we get like you said we, we saw it in imax so maybe that has a big big component to do with it but um to just see the bigger scope in literally the first opening minute with just a scene of keanu reeves john wick just hitting a piece of wood and just being able to hear how much tension and vibration is in that scene so much so much cinematic language it you know you, you can't explain it in any other way than than watching a movie you know like I'm, what we're seeing is what movies were made for like yeah. that's how i felt when that opening scene started i think I, something that i i want i was waiting till the podcast to bring up to you just um because we've talked about them a lot this year um and their polar opposites in terms of quality is maybe remember um the tension that was felt for the like you know the 11 movie hype for the marvel cinematic universe and kind of how you felt 
when you knew um, certain actions were taking place and how much um, weight those had, right? Um, the third movie obviously ends. We had already brought it up with them asking if John Wick, if he's pissed, and, he, you know, you get a yes. But that fourth movie, that's why I think there's so much cinematic language there. Like, I felt that that emotion still carried through from the third one. You know, those punches held all of that pissed offness that came from the third one. And the fact that the movie could have me so invested in a, in one, in a, in a series that started with the movie with a very simple premise that, like you said, anybody with a loving relationship towards a pet or their wife or just a good heart would feel like, yeah, I would do that for any, like my pet or my wife. You yeah. Know? Whether you can or not, it's a whole other. <laughs> I'm going to kill 75 know? people or, because someone shot my dog. Or whether, uh, you know, the, the, the mafia is behind your dog being killed and stuff like that. That's a whole other, obviously that's where the fantasy parts comes in. But the fact that that is taken, um, John Wick's whole attitude towards not only it started off with these things, but now it's just about literally disrespect. Like, no, like they can't tell me what to do and how it's just kind of climb, 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 climb. I think is, uh, just the ultimate movie decision that you'd want to see any character do. And this kind of evoked this greater spirit towards the story. Yeah. I mean, John wick is a character arc. I can't think of any other movie having or series having of where he really does just become, well, I guess he was in a previous life that we never saw, but more and more this indestructible reaper, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like death follows where John wick goes and to see that journey from what the hell he killed 40 guys in the last 30 minutes to this is literally death walking towards you. Like, I, I love that, you know, like it's the, I, it's the closest I think we'll get to a, a true great villain arc, except John wick is not the villain. I mean, he's not a, you know, I don't even want to get into this, but it's not like there's good guys or bad guys in this movie, but I, I don't, I can't think of anything else like it. Honestly, he's serving as like this, this medium. Yeah. Cause he's not good either. We're not going to talk about like, uh, there is the no, there is John no wick. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I agree that in this world, I guess none of them technically are good people. Oh, well, no, but, think about how many families John Wick has just totally broken and destroyed because one person killed his dog. But again, uh, in terms of these movie getting bigger in scopes, I think something that really helps a lot, this fourth one, it makes me stand out. Uh, maybe in, in the first one is like the weakest part is because in the first one, trying to establish how crazy John was John Wick uh, character is um, we we get my what might in retrospect be seen as a lot of easy kills for John Wick mm -hmm. and it's because they're kind of they're just men in suits right um, but in this fourth one we get these people full swatted geared out and I think that the fact that you have to get so intricate and close and personal and John Wick is still taking these guys out I think really shows that even the series doesn't want you to think that it's bland and just throwing no challenges at John Wick I think the fact that it um, is actively challenging and like I said, show scenes of John being exhausted, I think is what makes it almost feel grounded on something so ridiculous. That is what's make, that's a good point. That is kind of what makes it better is that the more indestructible he gets, the more uh, he gets the five stars. every fucking villain <laughs> yeah. he fights is. God damn, dude, John Wick used to headshot this guy one second. Bam, yeah, bam, yeah, bam, exactly. Bam. Like, and now he has to have like little 30, 40 second duels with every single guy he fights. So, yeah, that is one of the... That's a small thing I never noticed until you said it right now, that the kills have gotten harder. So you believe that the high table is throwing their best, you know? And, like, um, well, even... In the first one, you're like, this is a mistake. They committed a, a mistake. Exactly. This, not, is it, this, this is just a gang that thinks <laughs> yeah. they could take them out, and they don't know that they're, like, messing with something bigger. And I, I think... Uh, 
that's where the second one really elevates the fact of what it is the actual world of the continental the high table what it is to be a tracker that we end up seeing in this movie what it is to be a bounty hunter what it is to be all these other exponents to this world of i guess crime or this um do almost knighthood crime? it's like, almost like it, it's know? almost like knighthood honestly of general because uh i think it's always a good mix this this movie always reminds me of this knighthood and also like the kingsmen you know they live in this world where kind of they have these uh gold lagoons as they say right to just give up and um it's their currency they have different currency from everybody else oh doubloons doubloons <laughs> sorry cold doubloons <laughs> What is, what is that? What is that? Yeah, blooms. Yeah, no, and that's what I mean. Is um, it's they use different currency. They give the taxi guys this coin, and it's like this unspoken bond between the society that exists. I mean, maybe it's just kind of really alluding to obviously a lot of people who think about um conspiracy theories, um, know about these underground societies. But in this world, in John Wick, it just seems like there's this respect. In this weird kind of society that exists. Yeah, because what are these? What are these things, right? I've always kind of wondered this too. Is because they have no monetary value. It seems like it's more of a favor value. Yeah, like you've earned this by doing something, you know, some hardcore shit, right? D- yeah, exactly. And then okay, so the the one coin is good for a taxi ride. It could be good for weapons. It could be for a night at the Continental. You know, it's like so. So the monetary value doesn't really even add up to what. What is one of these things worth, right? Like a coupon the only time book. I ever noticed where it was like more than usual is when John Wick gives the cleanup crew in the first one. He gives them like five or six. So I'm like, okay, that must be worth that must be the favorite that's worth worth the most, like hiding the bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, everything pr- pretty much seems to cost one gold coin, right? Like one coin per favor. In this movie, obviously, we'll get more into depth of like, like the cast and what I think another outstanding factor that makes this movie the best. Um, of the series but in the beginning there is a scene where the tracker character is checking into the continental and he just uses one to check in yeah so you know and that's that's a that's all the time and we've seen it throughout the whole universe they use one to check in so one is enough to check in but like you're saying four to clean a body five yeah those uh, are the things that obviously you want to be if you want to fucking get intricate about it i'm like those are questions that i have but it doesn't at the end of the day i'm just saying that it seems like you know those cheap uh joke coupons that your girlfriend might give you when you're dating be like one free kiss or something is the societal monetary value that, that they have here <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what i think what you said about the world building is really just just going back to that um it doesn't give you any of the glup shitto that Star Wars does. Yeah. You know, where they're like, how much is one quarter portion? And be like, I'm sure, oh, actually, in Obi-Wan season two, episode three, one quarter portion is worth this much, you know, yeah, this yeah, many yeah. digits. Dude, fuck all that. They just use gold coins. Like, okay. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go into all this other stuff that uh, I, I don't think they waste any time. They set it up and they're like, come on, you get it. Like they do shady shit, man. Here's a coin, you know. Because like, you, you want to know, you want to know. At the end of the day, it, it reminds me of some crypto stuff. And the reason I bring this up is, uh, in this fourth movie, and and obviously throughout, John Wick has a bounty. It's not like in this, it's in these gold coins. No, they're not like fifteen. It's gold in money. Coins. It's like, in dollars. Yeah, Forty million dollars. Yeah, exactly. So I just think the coins, American greenbacks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like the co- the coins are like you know. Oh, one of these is a Bitcoin or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's worth one ETH. Huh? But, yeah, but at the end of the day, 
they still want cash. All oh, of the yeah. bounty hunters and everybody wants yeah, cash. They're like, for John Wick's head, I take greenbacks. Yeah, but like not five gold coins. I take Benjamins. Thank you. Yeah. So it's one of those things that, you know, in a more, in a more poor universe where there's a lot of bigger issues and plot holes, it's something that you would add on to be like, and this is stupid too. But I think here, it just, it, it kind of just proves that, it kind of goes across the point to prove that they're kind of like this gentleman rules to this weird underground society. You know what? This is what happens when your movie's directed by Chad. Yep. Specifically Chad Stahelski, <laughs> who is literally a fucking Chad. He's he is the Chad personified. Of course, this guy made John Wick, right? Once you get a look at him, this guy's fucking... Look, everyone's hot in the John Wick movies, even the fucking director. <laughs> right? This is true. Where it is kind of like... You know, the, the soy face or the Chad where you're like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Chad Stahelski has literally decided it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Okay? We're here for the cool action movie. And uh, I do think that his uh, career as a stuntman has to be why that somebody like him could make a movie like, mm -hmm. like well, like these four movies. Because he's had so much experience in this genre. I, I'm not going to say the most, but... Just to go down some of the movies he's been stu a stuntman on. So, Matrix, Spider-Man 2, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, 300, Iron Man, X-Men Origins, Speed Racer, Tron, Constantine, The Crow. He doubled for Brandon Lee after his fatal onset accident. So, Dang. that's kind of, that's how they finished the movie. It was with Chad Stahelski. Uh the Expendables, Van Helsing, one of your favorites. So, this guy has just been <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? He really has had a storied career as a stunt man and like a, and the stunt team and stuff like that to where he he is a master of the genre you know he he's been in the shit long enough to know what makes it work and um you know obviously he's been in varying degrees of successful action movies but i think that he found a way to pull out like from working with all the, the you know the masters that he has like okay this is how i do it right yeah so, I, I can feel safe saying that all that experience is probably why these movies are so fucking good. Yeah, I think I think maybe he felt similar to um, someone like no, I was gonna say maybe you know like David Pryor we talked about before for The Empty Man, knowing that he only has one shot at it. Um, maybe for John Wick one, he just kind of felt like he had to put something out there to get the idea of his. B-rated movie, but then the second that the studio trusted him more, he was able to execute more of his vision because I feel like he's now he's like he loves the movies the more he's gotten. Into he's been them, involved you know? in some other stuff, but the John Wick movies is his bread and butter, and I do think that he has grown as a filmmaker exponentially between the f between one and four. Yeah, and I just think maybe because he felt that the studio trusting him on something that's obviously there's always a bunch of creators but that it, he feels is purely his has made him give it his all for every single one yeah, of them i mean ones. i i feel safe to say that he has now become like a master at action movies you know like there's no if i was making an action movie tomorrow there's no one i would trust more right now than Chester. yeah i mean it's it's he's sim drawing very similar i think uh, comparisons to the director of top Top Gun Maverick, you know Joseph Kaczynski, yeah, well, who made Tron? Also. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because th those I think you you should be able to any other studio should be able to trust them that if they want their franchise to be taken serious, 
um, to, you know, at least to a serious degree. Uh, there's a lot of people who would butcher these budgets and they would do a lot worse as we've seen. So you know, I think I'm, this worries me because you brought up Joseph Kaczynski where his career before and after or other than Tron and Top Gun have been kind of eh, people don't really love it too much. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. made some good movies, eh, kind of some stinkers. But post Top Gun, what came out was a movie that had been uh, made at a similar time. I think it got pushed further because of COVID and stuff like that, but it's called Spiderhead and it's starring Chris Hemsworth oh, and yeah, yeah. Miles Teller. And I watched that and that was kind of like, oh, okay, so you can only make a good movie if... The actor. No, 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 no. If it's Top Gun, which is kind of like, how do you fumble that? You know, mm. once it was like a his own mission or whatever, it's kind of like, oh, well, what the hell is this? You know? Mm. I guess <laughs> But so, yeah. with Chad Stahelski, because th- this comes from It's him, him yeah. I trust him a lot more so anybody who is comparing him to joseph kaczynski shame on you <laughs> because i'm sure somebody else could have made top gun maverick as good i don't know uh how can you say that about chad stahelski when it's his it's his, his yeah, yeah. i see you what you're saying anyways so i did want to get to the writer of this because yes this movie does have a story so uh shay hatton also wrote john wick three uh, there was another guy, I believe his name's Derek Colstead, who wrote the first two. I know the first one, or this. Anyway, some of these movies have had like a Multiple. writing team, right? But uh, as for the last two, it's ma- uh, it's mainly been Shea Hatton. Crazy, and, uh, what? Crazy. That's what you're saying the first one had like a writing team, right? I I don't know if it's the first one or the or they, one. Yeah, like but, the fact yeah, that but at one point these the, 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 crazy. the team, you know. Which is usually a sign that it's going to be shit because you're like, why are five guys writing? This? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just insane because of the jokes that we talked about. How much dialogue John Wick specifically has? This whole world or everything dialogue based is through every other character besides him. You know what's funny too? It's like it took you five guys to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking I'm bad. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Like, okay, I guess. And then, <laughs> then I was like, like, wait, what? Are, what are you saying? It's here? it's good, I guess, that it took five people to come to that decision. Not a bad decision, but yeah, five people can barely agree on anything. Now you're like, you guys should all write one movie. Kinda, same story. Kind of makes sense why they all went on one liners. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see Mank? No, I didn't. Okay, well, there's <laughs> where it's the screenwriters, because you know, back in the back in those days, fucking, they would. It was always a screenwriter, yeah, exactly. game, right? Like a writers' room. But they would play a game where they'd be like, a girl walks into a bar, next guy, oh, and she's wearing a yellow dress, and this, and that, and da 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 da, and they build the story like that, right? And I'm like, it took you five guys to do that. To yeah. Really? <laughs> Then he had a dog, and then he had a wife. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then man. someone shot him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and he's in the Russian mafia. Like, uh, I think the other person we really need to highlight uh, from the technical standpoint and the movie making aspect is cinematographer Dan Lauston. Yes. Who you had exclaimed delightfully to me, it was shot by Dan Lauston. And I'm like, I know who that is, but have we talked about him on the show before? Why? Nightmare Alley. Okay, so that so he is best known for his work with Guillermo del Toro because he's done like Crimson Peak and Mimic and some of the other, uh, The Shape of Water too, right? But I couldn't remember and I was like, oh yeah, we did the Nightmare Alley episode. It's be, well, to be fair, this is funny that you say that because um, in that episode, you had brought up how he is a working director with Guillermo del Toro and I, I brought up, yeah, sorry. And then I brought up that like that makes sense why like all of his movies, I'm always like, I love how they look. Yeah, and so then the second that I, that's why I said that because I was like, that makes so much sense because the movie just seems to have a very seasoned 
experience cinematographer behind it and i think some of the contrasting and even in terms of color and framing just really highlight that yeah i mean say what you uh, say what you want about guillermo del toro movies we personally love them yeah but if anyone's ever going to try to say that they're ugly that's 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 yeah i mean that's That's so i think that's the height (laughs) and i i mean maybe it comes kind of goes back to what we're talking about uh maybe dan lauston is always given these great movies to work with um you know guillermo del toro has been giving really nice budgets as well but i'm just saying uh to also make the decision that this is who i'm going to bring on to be the cinematographer in this like it's kind of when jordan peele brett brought in hoyte van hoytema you know it's just exactly yeah, I, that like just there's a step up there because it's a cinematographer who has a vision mm-hmm. and has their own visual language that they create, you know, like uh, any other cinematographer would be like, OK, we're going to shoot this in the desert. Dan Lawson's like, what if it looks like Lawrence? Of yeah. Wouldn't that be tight? Yeah. What if John Wick 4 look like Lawrence? Of <laughs> yeah. He's like, Dude, what the fuck? I didn't <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, well, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of no, like no, when no. we talked about decision to leave. Why not? Why not? Why I, not push these boundaries? Why not add the visual flair to a story that, well, you know, John Wick needs visual flair. Not every movie. See, it even sounds weird. Like, not every movie needs visual flair. And it's like, no, it does. I don't know if, if audio, visual, be like, you know, it's not just one or the other. But yeah, Dan Lawson really fucking, wow, chef's kiss. I think it's cooking. It's a. Fraser Fraser is the cinematographer of Batman Dune. I know you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I just think in similarities, maybe it's because once they they sit with the director, they're able to see that the movies are going to be made to a technical level where they can express those type of shots. Um, Maybe there's other, you know, shots or scenes or movies where they don't think... You know, like in a Marvel movie, no offense, but maybe because they know it's not going to look very well. Like, oh, my background isn't going to be exactly the most detailed. It's or literally realistic. set up the camera. This is all green screen with some rocks and some trees and the, the real rocks and trees. Or but whatever. the second that, you know, the cinematographers are sitting in a movie like like this, Dan Lawson sitting here and looking at what John Wick 4 could look like. He's like, oh, yeah, let me add my spin to this now. Because I'm not going to waste this opportunity for this that looks like this to be like, let me just get a regular shot Frazier. here. Greg Frazier. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. He is the type of cinematographer as well where it's like you are just as important as the director mm-hmm. in these movies. And it just, it, it, it just, I think, really speaks on the director knowing what they want to get their vision out. And when they're giving more of the budget, let me spend the extra $10 million on getting this cinematographer to yeah, do Yeah, I mean, there's many smarter people than us who can discuss cinematography and how it works and what lenses and how they got the color to look like that and the light and the color grading and all that but i'm just here to say john wick is fucking visual crack it's yeah. literally just like movie dopamine to me you know like when i'm looking at it i'm just like this is why i love movies fuck i think <laughs> especially when we talked about uh having seen creed just as well like on you know same thing like this is why i like movies mm-hmm. like who cares if it's extra or who cares if it's silly that they're fighting in a jail cell or whatever you know like this is this is cinema baby I, at the end of the day to, to really i think what differentiates me watching a youtube video of a guy who created you know fan-made content on youtube which you know, at the end of the day the art movies some of the movies we all end up talking at the end of this year are made with smaller budgets and kind of evoke more of the mental stuff that we talk about because you that's kind of where you have to go to but when the movie is given a budget to make me feel like i'm in paris and they actually execute that to a t that's what the movies are for and i think even when you know you'd have the jokes of all those old 50s movies and stuff like that those grand studio movies that they would make those were the goals 
to like you know let's do gladiator movies let's do cleopatra movies and stuff like that why this should look like a david lane movie like so this this stuff should look like we're we're at another time and i think even steven spielberg understood that with jurassic park and stuff like that and to me that is truly the movies whether are just obviously sometimes we've been artistic snobs here like the stuff that we like but i think um what goes in that babylon feed of like what makes him go crazy at the end of the movie <laughs> it would be something like john wick four because like it is forefronting and pushing what cinema is dude i sat there like manny just crying while john wick four played and all i heard was no but like i get i get and in all seriousness i i 100 agree with you because in terms of we watch some of these small movies and they push boundaries of their horror or niche genres because they evoke kind of like what you can do with small budgets. Bro, this shit is literally Danny DeVito like, I get it now. You know, like, I've seen God and his name is John, John Wick. Wick. Yeah. He's he's God, the God of death. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's just, as, as I was sitting there, I was like, what more could you possibly want from coming to pay, you know, for an IMAX ticket, $16, $17? Like what, what? Yeah, that's a regular movie ticket, sixteen dollars. Like what? What really? What better time could you ask for? It's so funny you say that. You know what you reminded me of right now because we have a list. How much could a banana cost? Yeah, ten dollars. I don't. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know how much movie tickets cost. <laughs> like you can't afford a list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, bro, just buy a list. You, if you pay for one IMAX movie, you just have to pay four more dollars, and you can go twelve times in a month. Exactly. And not that they paid me to say this. They don't even have to pay me to say it. A list is such a good deal. It's a good deal, guys. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, the last person I wanted to talk about, because I do think that they need some credit here as well, is the editor, Nathan Orloff. Uh, I couldn't find much about him because we're only filming this episode a day after seeing the movie. And uh, his name wasn't blue on Wikipedia, so you can't click Yikes. on him, right? Yeah. But uh, for someone who made a two-hour two and 49-minute neo-noir action epic, it could be an overbloated, sloppy mess. And I thought the pacing was so breezy and quick. And it I felt like I was only in there for like an hour. Yeah, no, you know, so yeah. I think they did a perfect job making this the making this the perfect movie. You I know? saw it a second time and it still flew, which is insane to say. Hey, I'm not gonna lie, bro. No cap here. After like the fourth viewing of the Batman and IMAX, I was kind of like, this shit long as hell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the pulling up the Family Guy episode. Yeah. So, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I do think we need to talk about, uh, and this is kind of where we can get into some more stuff. Is the cast because this is. The best cast in the John Wick yes. movie as well. So, you know, Keanu Reeves obviously is John Wick. Once again, gives an electrifying performance as death personified. Uh, you know, he's always been praised for his dedication to the craft. And I do think that John Wick is his career best role. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some might say Neo. Some might say, you know, uh, My Private Idaho or whatever. Okay. You know, something like that. But I do think that John Wick is the, the character that Keanu Reeves was born to play, honestly. If I'm going to get a little poetic about it. Um, you know, the biggest gripe, like we said, has always been his reading and speaking of dialogue. It's just unnatural in like any way that, you know, he kind of talks like in the same way Christopher Walken does. Not the way he sounds, but just kind of like, dude, literally nobody else talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> he talks like M. Night Shyamalan writes. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, but I will uh, say, I think John Wick being a stoic man that he is, much like Clint Eastwood's The Man with No Name, has always been kind of one of the ways to make him soar, like out of the stratosphere, to being like, wow, this is a fucking great performance. I do think it's how little he says and how much of it is that emotional and uh, 
guttural primal violence you know yeah that's like there's it's that's what makes keanu reeves lightning in a bottle is the is when he's fucking has someone in a triangle choke and he riddles six bullets into their head you're like wow wow <laughs> you know like yeah only him you know like he, he he there's something about the way he makes violence look it's so beautiful it's so choreographed it's like it's unlike anything i've ever seen really because there's such a nonchalantness to it you know i think or that kind of exhausted thing that you're saying too like there's just something so real about it i think there's this weird um like, you know sometimes they call it like, like a dichotomy between i guess in the in the realm of a movie like a bad guy always having this good side to them and i think john wick is like the closest good bad guy that the audience can relate to there's only one thing about john wick that's good and it's overblown it's that he had a wife once, yeah you know and i think that like, like well, you're the only one that <laughs> for some reason hitman in this world that ever had a wife yeah but i it's like it only i i think that that relatability is what makes people root for him you know what i mean even though like you said he's not necessarily even a nicer person than some of the there's people His here counterparts who, yeah there's people here who are victims to the selfish decisions that john wick makes that Basically are better every other person who comes into contact with john wick that are better people than him yeah i mean hundreds and thousands of people have died by the hands of john wick and his <laughs> actions you know so i do get what you're saying there and i think this is one of the great things about tv and movies is that they can well just any media in general is that they can make you care for someone who should not be cared for because let's not get it twisted here john wick is probably one of the most evil characters that's yeah, yeah. ever existed because you, you brought up like clint eastwood you know what i mean and clint eastwood's cowboy characters always have that like you just have the bad character being good in this story for the for the premise of i guess he has some moral you know moral victory for beating the more bad guy yeah. <laughs> but it's not as you're to be able to kill one of the top top bad guys you kind of got to be a badass yourself and i think that's something that's almost looked over or cheered which i again i'm just bringing it up because it's interesting that media or a really good film can do that right because you'll cheer for someone that, uh, you know, in real life, you'd be like, this is a piece of shit. Yeah, John Wick would be like on a, the most wanted list. He really <laughs> would be yeah. worth $40 million if he existed. He'd be the most dangerous man that's ever lived. Yeah, the U.S. government, you know what I mean? And in, in here. He would have dropped a drone on Don, on John Wick alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Roma Ruska would have been obliterated from the map. They would have dropped a UAV on him, dude. So, you know, it's just to be able to end up as the audience cheering for an, a character like that. I is, mean, the, I do think the more they've gotten away from the wife thing, even though they have to do the cheesy flashback in every movie. Yeah, of yeah. the one moment he remembers in their entire life, which <laughs> is them on the beach, which is how you know that they never planned on this going that far, is that John Wick only has one memory of his wife. It's they were on the beach once and he kissed her. And they, yeah, they keep using the footage of him looking young from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that for me that's all i'm like this is so nothing like i know some people like the idea of john wick being that oh they killed his dog and his his wife died and he's sad but then I'm like yeah but all that movie was just unraveling behind the curtain they're like this is the most evil motherfucker that's ever lived this is death walking this is the this is the the, the wolf from puss in boots <laughs> yeah this is this is uh you watch violent night right yeah yeah so it'd be like this is santa Coming back to his roots. Exactly. Well, yeah. I, I just I've I I find that to be the more enjoyable aspect of the movie is that like John Wick was just pretending like that he was a good guy for a little bit. Yeah. Much like Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven, you know? Exactly. Where it's just like I mean, and then your mother changed me. Like, that's basically what happened to John Wick here. Yeah. Now that he has no one to hold him on a leash, this fool is like just a rabid ass dog biting everybody. 
Yeah, burning I, the whole world down. And, and at this point, for no reason, honestly. Yeah. Just because this is what he does. And because it's of his, his nature. His terror of going against the high table in this fourth one, you know, just going more and more and up the stakes. He brings in, again, like we said, more victims into it's his... It's so simple, too, because it's not even trying to be any kind of allegory for, like, the the small man going against, you know, the David yeah, versus yeah, Goliath. Yeah, it's, no, it's not that. <laughs> like, they're not trying to do anything other than John Wick said, fuck the authority, right? Yeah. Like, nobody can control John Wick. And right. I'm sure he talks in the third person as well. Uh, <laughs> I did want to talk about the other actors in the movie because everybody's, yeah. everybody's firing on all cylinders here. So you have your usual suspects. Ian McShane is Winston. Lance Reddick, R.I.P. as uh, Sharon. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne as the king Bowery. of the Bowery, who always just chews up and spits out every fucking scene he's in. I feel like he's made it his personal mission to just kind of outclass Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, this is acting, my boy. Right? I mean, dude, he's playing this shit so grandiose and like braggadocio. You know what I mean? Like, he's the he's king. Doing Shakespeare in a John Wick movie and it fucking works. The king is back. Like, it's so. It's so the guy from The Warriors, like, can you dig it? You know, but it, I don't know why it works. Honestly, it shouldn't work. It's kind of the worst part of the movies, but it's also the best part. Who is this guy? Who the fuck is this homeless guy doing Shakespeare underground, you know? Just always. Once again, Chad Stahelski doesn't really matter. You know, just you just accept it. The homeless people are not really homeless in this universe. They're actually the most dangerous people. Just Neo always needs his help, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Lawrence Fisherman's back. Uh, no Angelica Houston this time. But, I mean, if you saw John Wick 3, she is somewhere out there still. But she's just not in this one. So uh, I think we need to talk about the other action legends that are in this movie yeah. specifically. Because this is some fucking sick shit right here, dude. Donnie Yen. The Hiro man Yuki, himself. Hiroyuki Sanada. Scott Adkins, who would probably be less lesser known. But he is like, he is much like David, uh, or not, sorry. Not David. Um, Much like a director, yeah. Where he's been in like a thousand things. (laughs) You know what I mean? And to me, he's the one who really stole the show. While Donnie Yen is probably the best character in the movie, other than John Wick, I thought that Scott Adkins as that in that fucking bodysuit basically playing like the German kingpin. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. was so fucking good. That was the best <laughs> part of the movie. <laughs> he did, yeah, he did we'll like get to kingpin. That a later, but holy fuck, dude, that Berlin nightclub scene. Oh, pure fucking Kino, baby. I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, like four or five times when we were watching this movie, I was just like, what the fuck? Why does it look like that? Dude, I was literally Kevin Garnett. I was like, why has it got so many colors in it? You know? Yeah. Just, Dude, David. I keep saying David because you brought up stupid ass David Leach. But <laughs> Helsky, dude, he gets $100 million and he's like, what if this nightclub had waterfalls instead of walls? And yeah. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Stop and so, you, son of a bitch. You've already sold and me. some neon lights, right? Yeah, definitely. But yeah, Scott Adkins, so wonderful performance. Donnie Yen, just come on. It's Donnie fucking Yen. If you don't know what you're going to get out of him by now, it's like, what are you living under a rock? Like, yeah, of course, you. you get some of the coolest fucking action fighting scenes you've ever seen, right? Hiroyuki Sonata, like you said. Yeah, come on, dude. It's fucking Scorpion, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. And I he's think. He's also in Bullet Train, isn't he? And something. Yeah, he is also in Bullet <laughs> Train. That's funny. And, um,. His daughter, which she talked about, right? Rita. Oh yeah, I was waiting for her because I wanted Smaller to get the, character, I wanted yeah. to get the action legends their time to shine right here. But rounding out the cast is some newcomers and uh, all, 
you know, one really big actor who I don't think has been in much action movies. But, you know, so we have Clancy Brown as the Harbinger. He is a working actor. What I like about these John Wick movies is they have a lot of guys in them, you know, where you're like, Clancy Brown is not like your favorite actor. Be like, oh, I know who that is. You know, and I feel like uh, the John Wick movies have done a really good job of highlighting working actors and not just action movie stars. Yeah. But uh, Rina Sawayama is who you're talking about. So most people would probably know her as a pop star and a model. But, you know, she's in this movie as Hiroyuki Sonata's uh, daughter. He's the manager of the Continental in Osaka, and he's like one of John Wick's old homies. Longtime friend. Yeah. Longtime friend, right? Um, and she's the concierge as well. So they're basically Winston and Sharon or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is her first movie. Dude, please. I need more of this. She kicks so much fucking ass. In this <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. And like, you could say that about basically everybody, but dude, her scenes, so good. And uh, like we said, there's some spoilers going on here. Uh, this isn't going to be the last of her. I'm pretty sure the post credit scene, which we'll get to later, that. There's going to be more John Wick stuff in general, and I do hope that she's a big part of it because she was so fucking good, dude. Yeah, it seems like Much like Anna de Armas, I'm like, more action. Please, please. Yeah, she, she, I think she really stole just, again, for this to be your first role and, again, being able to do the stunts um, and just pulling off, looking, I think the ultimate goal in any person who's in an action movie is to look badass and for her to really... um, think did almost really steal the show in terms of a lot of the uh, bow work that she was doing and like a lot of her kills um, really didn't feel out of place at all. Dude, there's one kill in this movie where her and John Wick work together. Like she fucking, she's using her bow and arrow and she like impales a guy's leg to the wall. Yeah, the knee. And then John Wick shoots him like four times in the head. Yeah. Oh, just so fucking sick, dude. Yeah. I, and um, Which is kind of one of the reasons I don't want to talk about the movie itself too much because it's like, how do you... Me and you are not going to do justice by explaining shot for shot what happened in each action scene, right? Yeah. But that was just one of the ones that stood out to me. Where I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, see, because like, her aspect I really enjoy, and I think this happens with John too, especially when he was fighting um, King, the German Kingpin actor, as you're saying. His name was Keela. That was his name in the movie. But when he's uh, their size difference is... Um, is becomes apparent and the movie doesn't really play it off like it's like no it doesn't matter it does and i think that her specifically akita's character um one of the kills that she does she's like uh, like stabbing this guy a bunch of times and just oh, through the, the back. back and everything and like climbing onto him basically oh, so and fucking vicious right? yeah and i um i think maybe it's the horror aspects of the movies that we like or how we appreciate kills in cinema. But action films obviously have been around for a long time and you see certain kills in certain ways and they hit or don't hit, but certain, this all goes down to the technical levels, obviously the sound and stuff like that. And yes, sound plays a crucial, crucial part in how we, um, intake violence, you know, because uh, speaking of M. Night Shyamalan, when we were doing the knock on the cabin episode or knock at the cabin, whatever, on at, I don't remember, um, he mentioned that honestly, with the MPA rating system, you what could get you from R to PG 13 is actually the sound you use, not what you're showing. So, how the way that the sound affects your ear, if they're stabbing a watermelon versus I don't know, stabbing some other thing that. That could be felt like that is more violent. Yeah. You know? So he's like, there's been times where we just reworked the sound to sound less violent. And they're like, oh, PG-13. 
No, <laughs> it, it really is. Like the second that she takes out the knife from the sheath, and you hear how sharp or how fast it comes out, and then you hear how deep. The cut is going in. And I the think way that's the guy's screaming too. Yeah. Shout out to that extra for giving the performance of his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and in another movie, that's kind of um, it teeters the line of becoming ridiculous. Oh, that's part of the absurdity or like the Looney Tunes aspect of the John Wick movies is that she's riding a guy like a dog up the stairs and he's she stabbed him like fifty times. Yeah, and it's there's there's you know there's violence in movies and then there's the 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 Stanley Kubrick term the ultra violence you know and there's just sometimes where you're you could be enjoying you know it's it's not that visceral to see John Wick shoot fifteen guys in the head but there's something about that stabbing sound like you said you know I I do think it has to do with the sound what really ratchets up the violence yeah honestly. and uh i think even another point in the movie where the sound really ratchets it up is when he's using the nunchucks oh that's so good yeah as mr nobody a tracker bounty hunter who teeters between like his admiration for john wick and how much he needs 40 million dollars right that's pretty much his character's motivation here Not a um he's basically john wick jr <laughs> this guy's a fucking dog right yeah and uh i seriously think that he's supposed to be like the john wick universe's broom boy like i don't think this is the last <laughs> of him. i'm pretty sure they have something else going for him in the future i wouldn't be surprised if if uh they do choose to do more spinoffs if he would be involved somehow because I heard. he gave a good performance as well i thought that he was I really liked him. I heard that uh, they might bring him on for Halle Berry's spinoff. Because he's probably her son. Exactly. <laughs> on, some, on something, yeah. He was her son that was raised by fucking... Uh, what are the... the What's the what's the shit that Batman was in before he was Batman? Oh, what, the like thing the, with Ra's al Ghul. The Ra's al Ghul, yeah. Whatever that shit's called, I can't remember. That's how this dude was raised, right? It'd be like, and they haven't mentioned it yet. Where Bane was? Yeah, <laughs> the League of Assassins. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Nobody is actually Halle Berry's son from the League, League of Assassins because she's uh, Catwoman. Yeah, quote that Write because when we get when we do John Wick Five, which I'm sure is gonna happen, I bet you he's back, and I bet you he is her fucking son because I saw the dogs and I thought it was gonna be Halle Berry again, but hey, who knows? And then the last one, heavy hitter, horror king, Bill Skarsgård. As Ooh. the Marquis Vincent de Gramont. <laughs> right? Those guards out here just flexing. Uh, his role in the movie, he's essentially a James Bond villain, really. Yeah. You know, fucking absurd fucking elegance while also being like extremely violent, but also, you know, having that regard to compose himself. He never really screams or yells, but he fucking hates John Wick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been given, you know, permission by the high table to use every expense and every hitman available to. Dispose of him And uh, there's not really too much to say about him Except I do think he's giving a wonderful James Bond villain performance And you know it's Bill Skarsgård I'm always going to enjoy when I see him Uh, One thing I wanted to bring up about him Because he does Obviously he just takes the scenes whenever he's in it But my guy here His Shout out the costume design His outfits in this movie are crazy (laughs) Great Gatsby ass outfits. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, like he's literally dressed like he's like in the eighteen hundreds. And I know it's because he's French, but I just mean he's he's pulling these outfits off because my boy, you know, got the wrist. Typical French. He got cucked by America at the end. <laughs> 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 Nothing more French than being cucked by the Americans. By the guns. Oh man. <laughs> Whatever. I don't even think French people probably don't even like John Wick. Nah. Nah. 
I saw one guy say on Twitter, he's like, I took my European friend to see this, and he's usually extremely hard to please, and they're like, because he's French. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah they're like, this isn't real cinema. Like, uh, where is the John Cassavetes? He's like, like Jardin. Somebody Jardani would never do this. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't like the John Wick movies? Shut up, bitch. <laughs> if you don't like John Wick, I have two of these for you. <laughs> All right, so I did think we should probably talk about some of our favorite moments because uh, we're never going to do them justice, but they're just certain things that happened in the theater where I wanted to just turn and grab you by the collar and be like, what the fuck? This is cinema, baby. Yeah, uh, so, you know, the Lawrence of Arabia scene in the beginning that has a match cut that matches something in Lawrence of Arabia, which yeah. is like, inspired, why do that in an action movie? Why? And the answer why is, not? Why not? Yeah. You know? You bitch. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think this was one of the funnest movies to watch with you because I do think half of the time we kept looking at each other like I just couldn't believe what, what we were watching. Fuck? And um, this is coming from like an action movies. Like I'm saying, the third one has stupendous action scenes. And those were some of the stuff that I do like about it. But to elevate it and now make it, like you said, really... And we, we were we were just joking about it, but I, I did thoroughly believe, like, this, this is Kino. Like, this is pushing the medium um, in terms of what, you know having working humans can do people who are stuntmen these amazing sets these creative artists that you know and the cgi obviously there's cgi in this movie but it's it's done so well to a point where um practical and the stunts that these people do will always trope full cgi type things right and just the care that it was put into these movies um yeah, I, I just I just really felt like I was thoroughly impressed by how much this was pushing what I felt. Um, this movie looks like it was shot in 2023, and I think that's something that every movie that has a crazy budget should push for. I know sometimes, like you said, we love the Batman because it's stylized, but I think even then, um, th this movie is like, I'm going to make it as clear as it could look. I'm going to make it as grand as it can look, and I'm going to make... I'm going to get all the best actors to do as much of like, you know, just give this, give it their all. This is how you use IMAX. This is how you use digital cameras. This is how you use modern lighting techniques. You know, like this is, I think John Wick 4, and I mean all of them obviously, but this fourth one is going to help revitalize genre filmmaking, digital filmmaking, IMAX filmmaking. Like I do think that this is truly going to be an important film for the, the future of mainstream cinema at least. Yeah, because yeah, I mean we we obviously felt really strong. We talked almost in the same glaring light about Creed 3, um, but, but Creed 3 maybe will be a little bit more niche, you know, folk, even compared to this. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up that we always bring up um, is the theater experience that we did get from watching this. The people come out for John Wick, man. Of course, um, this shit was like sold out. Yeah, and I went this, and I went again before this recording. You know, on the Saturday at three, and all of the middle, all of the good seats were taken up for an IMAX showing, and this was in Regal. So I don't think how many people really have as many like a Regal service. You know what I mean? So I think every one of these people is paying the twenty dollars for IMAX, and I, they're clapping, they're they're hooting and they're hollering. hooting and hollering in these theaters, man. Um, the people love it and i think the whenever you have a movie that the people love and we obviously talk from a different light because we watch so many movies every week and we watch all this other weird stuff you know um but to be able to all of a sudden become part of something that you know so many people are into but then also not have to give up the no i 
I, I'm kind of like this because I know people like it or kind of like it. I, I can see why this is fun to you. This is not a guilty pleasure. No, but well, th- this I, is I like, don't feel guilty about know, any of my pleasures. But, but this yeah, is not, I get what you mean. Like yeah. you're just giving up. Like, you know, when when we do like um, the doc, like Doctor Strange, like did, you might compromise a little more and be like, I like this. I understand why you might like this or whatever. But this one, I thoroughly feel like I'm forefronting. Like I feel like the, the, the nerds, you know, like. In terms of no, this is one of the best movies I seen in my life. It was robbed. John Wick was robbed for best Picture, movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like next year, I thoroughly have seen just discussions. Like if if this doesn't get a nom in cinematography, like I I don't it's understand what 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 else do you have to do? You literally took the words out of my fucking mouth because I have that written down. That if this doesn't, this is this will be further proof that like it's a joke. You don't take genre filmmaking seriously, and uh, for cinematography at least. Because, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. Even, you know, big Papa Roger Deakins is like, we should reward these things when they are good. It's no, that's what I'm saying. To yeah. Not, to not, you know, uh, to say that you would, you don't enjoy any mainstream cinema is kind of, it's pretentious in a way that's like more than just annoying. So that's like, that You're was. going to shut off a whole aspect of movie making just because, well, too many people like it. Yeah, because that was the one positive this, this year about, you know, the Oscars was that Black Panther dude, all of its wrong things that Angela Bassett was there to be able, for them to identify, be like, well, this performance was good in this movie. And then Top Gun. Top Gun and Avatar were Best Picture nominees. So it's the fact that they are at least acknowledging that not because something is popular, we're not going to acknowledge it. It's it's It needs some... Dude, it, come on. Like th- the Batman, right? So, no, hold on. Mad Max and The Dark Knight are like, those are the only two good genre movies yeah, the past, it, since 2008? Yeah, exactly. You're kidding me. Yeah. Like, and while I do love Top Gun, I don't think it's as good as John Wick 4. No, I don't think so either. And I have a, you know, I have a deep affinity for Avatar 2, and I do think that John Wick is even better. Like, on a, just a mainstream go to the movies, um, this is what movies are made for type of thing, I do think John Wick is the best, <laughs> like, the best big budget movie other than Dune and the Batman. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, that's the holy trinity right now. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Of I, like, dude, you, if you don't like this shit, you're just being, a, you're being the pretentious snob. Yeah, because like you said, to not be able to give the flowers when they get it right is your, what are you asking? What do you want? Like no. just a complete, no big, no big, uh, big movie filmmaking, you know? It should have been about the psychological damage and trauma that John Wick went through for losing For the dog, life. yeah. All of his flashbacks should have been of all the memories. Ah! You know? like, see, this is why Pig is if John Wick was actually good. Yeah, you know I mean? like, come on, come and on. It's like, come on, I love Pig. Pig is fucking amazing movie, but <laughs> it's not John Wick, you know. And it's like there, there's two sides to each coin. And I can, you know, I could do a double feature of John Wick one and Pig, and like, wow, those were two fucking great movies. But it is being able to have an appreciation for both sides. I just think, uh, kind of going back to how we started the conversation in terms of favorite scenes in this movie, one of the standout scenes to me, and I think this will scene will get talked about a lot because all a lot of the, you know, video game nerds and everything are gonna eat this eat this scene up but i think it's the overhead church shot where he gets the dragon breath shotguns so you get all this flame of him going through rooms just emptying out all these people um but i think the reason i wanted to bring that up one because it just looks it just looks amazing but at the end of the day i think that is pushing also creative um direction in terms of what big big movie filmmaking can do big shout out to kill bill too right there yeah those that overhead sequence where you know you're seeing all the walls and our protagonists walk through each room taking people out uh you know obviously in kill bill it's the bride but dude this shotgun that you're talking about 
<laughs> not to be pro gun here, but like that shit is fucking sick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I, I just think the fact again that every you. I wrote in my review for this just the fact that the the movies John Wick has become so professional at giving you these long sequence fights that at one point in this fourth one it just feels like they're flexing to show you what they can keep doing because the second you think it slows down it bumps back up because three four more people will come back into the scene and all of a sudden he has to come up with I don't know 20 different ways to kill somebody as I haven't seen him in the whole uh, past three movies and for some reason they can always come up with different ways to kill these people are you serious be like every single time i think i've seen it all he pulls something else or like you said an arrow to the knee staple them to the wall and then just shoot him in the neck or let me wring his neck with Dude, i don't know it's, man. it's it's better at violence than like than like video games, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, dude, not even video games where they come up with the most crazy shit is this violent, you know? Just not even Gears of War, chainsawing an alien in half is as violent as this is. And yeah. I do think it all has to do with how grounded these movies are in reality. Well, yes, John Wick could fall out of a five-story window and then just get up around fuck himself up on a car even though the up. car bent scream six the person's head busted open you know but in john wick he just like dusts himself off and he's like all right keep running <laughs> even though the car's all dented and everything yeah, yeah i do think that that's what's you know john if john wick is anything it's also absurdist you know where it's just like what is this this guy what the fuck was that another thing uh again to bring up i think i don't remember what episode it brought it but it was pretty recent um to evoke avatar again the seriousness that james cameron says that um the world has to believe in the seriousness or the ridiculousness that the premise is presenting um the people in john wick aren't surprised by john wick being able to fall from five stories no, and living that makes sense you and know, there's no like so that just happened I, yeah like the only aspect i mean one of the characters in this movie the one we're talking about um what, what did you call him german kingpin oh yeah 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 so i mean he ends up falling he ends up having his demise through a fall but it's kind of the way that he falls right um again because had he fallen like the same way john wick falls earlier literally in that same sequence um on his back for some reason it's fine but the second he falls on his head somebody that big dude he it, fell face first Onto like just cement, concrete, granite, or yeah, cement steps. <laughs> and then how heavy, how heavy he is, you know. But then, uh, and it's just like John Wick one. It alludes back to where they drop him from one story to the next. No bouncing, no getting up. Just like oh, that was oh, when he died, dude. It really set in like oh, you know what I mean? Like you're just sitting there, like the whole theater was kind of like Ooh. yeah. And then it, it really, I don't know, it completely takes you to another direction by flipping him over once to see. And he has this ridiculous face, you know, like looking back at you, like the dumb face you'd make to your daughter to make he, it laugh, you know? Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> the, he's the most super villain shit I've ever seen. <laughs> he really is. Oh, so, man. I mean, much love to Scott Adkins in that Berlin nightclub scene, because that to me is just fucking peak cinema right there. The way they shot the action scenes, the way the, the aesthetic and the style of the club itself, the music was bumping, the drinks were flowing the ladies are looking beautiful huh? the black birds are out <laughs> yeah the birds were wearing black <laughs> sword on you know <laughs> uh, uh, that is something you had brought up before that i think i did want to touch upon like uh 
because I had read before we got over here that we started recording like uh, they gave him this budget, you know, and to be able to make these sets. And there was a nightclub that existed already. It looks like that. But his adding was the waterfall, um, just kind of taking those walls out and adding water, which I think kind of proves he's like, I know I have all this money to spend, but the more I can save to keep keep this going on um a lot of the marvelous stuff that we always eat up in a lot of the movies and we you know me and you go ah a lot of the color lighting in this um oh yeah neo-noir masterpiece yeah i mean i i i had no issue bringing it up in my review when i wrote about it but like it i did think about dune i thought about denis villeneuve's you know blade runner um which is not something i think would be evoked for john wick 4 but i am more than just happy that it is that something like this that's what it wants me to think about when it's being presented to me and, and i don't think that's a mistake hey, if know? we ever made a movie it's safe to say there'd be some fucking neon in that bitch yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. just because just like in here it'd be like when he's i mean you know it's a lot of the argument here might be that he's like in japan for a lot of the scene and there's a lot of neon japan. in japan yeah they always present it in a certain way but I mean, I'm here for it. Uh, they, I think that's another part of this movie that I just really loved. Is was the Osaka Continental. I thought the whole sequence there, that you know when he tells them we have visitors, let's show them hospitality. Oh yeah, that was, that was <laughs> sick. The lights yeah, the turn green, and all of a sudden, like 500 dudes with bows show up. Yeah, like, what? Uh, just come. I like you said. I go to the movies sometimes, you know, to be thoroughly entertained and different movies do it in different ways but when a movie like john wick 4 decides to do it in the most stylistic and visual way i I, i'm a sucker for that man oh yeah i'm here for the movies are all visual for me and i think you're the same way you're gonna hate some people are gonna hate to hear this sometimes style matters more than substance because why not I just think it's, it's, it's yeah. what you're enjoying. When I go to McDonald's, dude, I want it to taste like McDonald's. I'm not like, how come this isn't healthy for me? You know, and next week when we go see Ennis Men, I'm not going to be like, why did that not? That's the sparkling water of movies. Like It had the essence of horror. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think I think, for example, just to compare, like when I watch a movie like Closer, where I'm like, we're two, you know, boys that are, you know, growing up and they're having questions about what it is to be close to another you know what it is to have a best friend what that means or whatever i don't need it to be an overhead shot you know because it is intimate but the second that you're going to tell me it's a movie about a guy who's seeking revenge be like yeah i do want this to be stylistic yeah because i've i've seen um this done you know very slowly and methodical i've seen akira kurosawa tackle this type of stuff um so i I think in a, in a way, like you said, it's it's almost snobby to not think that pushing the boundary in terms of what visual visually you could do isn't just as important. Yeah, as making a heartfelt, you know, after Sun is just as important as John Wick for yeah. two completely different reasons, and, I and think, they're both important and vital. And that's that's it's something we've always talked about in the podcast that cinema is all three of them: it's the mid budget, it's the big budget, and it's the small ones. And I can like Ennis Men for certain things, and like John Wick John Wick 4 just as much and know that these are completely different types of movies with different expectations and different goals. I like movies. Yeah. I don't care if it's the smallest indie movie you've ever seen or the biggest budget movie that's ever existed. If it's fucking good, I'm there. Yeah. And I think that's like at the end of the day for us to not want to expect these big movies to be really good would be us 
not wanting, you know, the best that we could receive. Dude, another big giant dumb action movie is coming out next week or two weeks from now. And guess who, guess who won't be there using their A-list? Yeah. Us for Fast X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's, uh, talk about something that is, I'm glad you brought that up, that I know is just being pushed because it's, you've been here since the beginning. It's a machine. John Wick's not a machine. It's art. It's vision. It's passion. Which I truly do believe that Vin Diesel cares about the Fast and the Furious movies, but not for the same reasons that, I don't know, uh, a visionary director like Chad Stahelski or a movie star like Keanu Reeves cares about John Wick and what it actually means. Yeah. I mean, I... I At the end of the day, Fast and the Furious is about one thing, the profit, you know? Yeah, John, John Wick 4, I just think, uh, maybe started off... Being only this uh, movie that the heavy action genre lovers, you know, were like rooting for and being like, no, you guys don't get it. This is good. And maybe because of them, the second one came into fruition. But now I just think it, it, it is pushing past its genre. And I think it, it definitely should receive some type of recognition and an and, and aspect of uh, the same way Top Gun did. I do thoroughly believe that, and I agree with you that I think uh, this is one of my favorite action films in the last ten years, easily. You mm-hmm. know, um, and uh, and I will, like you said, it's always good to feel like I I knew that from the first day, you know. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I walked out of John Wick Four solidified already. It's like, oh, that's the best action the- movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe and, ever. And- like, but you know, the Batman is an action movie. Avatar The Way of Water is an action movie. Like so it is hard to say because I have loved a lot of these big budget action movies lately. But you know, we have our early contender now already for like this is probably gonna be movie of the year. Movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 to be able to also put it up to something like Creed Three and us having talked about Scream Six, these big budget movies going out of their way to really capture our attention, I think is has made it a very interesting year, at least for the podcast. Um, we almost, we were having a conversation outside of the podcast that it seems like, where are the little movies? And it might just be because we're so satisfied with these big movies, you know what I mean? That um, There's this energy of, even you said it before, like, I want to watch John Wick again. And like once a week, I want to watch John Wick. Yeah, the same way you felt about the Batman, you yeah. know? And um, is there not more of, crazy good feeling that a movie could give you that big that like you'd want to like i want to be here and support it every every week because i think this is worth seeing in the big screen yeah i mean uh i watched 15 minutes of the batman earlier today i didn't get to even really start it but you know i got to see the the halloween night scene you know and the i'm vengeance and the something in the way or whatever and i was just like oh so fucking good the same way i throw on dune all the time just to fall asleep, you know, just because I'm like, I just want to go to sleep watching something that's so fucking good. And those big budget movies, when they're done right, is why we love movies, you know? It's like, yeah. no surprise fucking somebody like Steven Spielberg was so famous for so long, you know, or like, no, because this is what people like, dude. And, and not to say that it's better or worse or whatever, but when you see $100 million be put to use the right way to create something inspiring and truly creative, it it warms the soul. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, fuck. It's, it's the one thing in life that really makes me feel like, damn, capitalism can be used for good things. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's movies. <laughs> I think Babylon makes a dumb joke about when they're talking about why they love the movie so much. And it's an escapism. And with something like John Wick takes his escapism 
like serious. Um, and I think in the way that it does that is why what you're talking about. Um, the movie takes itself seriously to know that when I go to the, watch this movie, uh, while while it's based in some reality, and I think that's what makes it good, I do want to see somebody who would easily die in the first movie in all reality. And because I come here to watch something that's not based on life. I come here to watch something that's entertaining. And the same way that when we get really happy when a last second goal or something is scored on, it's because it does not mimic life. And um, for this movie to still be in a way grounded, but also make you so excited that there's just one person that can take out armies of people, I think is like ultimate escapism. People yeah, co- go to these movies and like completely forget whatever the fuck it is that's going on because this movie is so ridiculous. We're getting we're getting really long here, um, but there's two more things I wanted to bring up before we end this. Um, it was the. Uh, the so we already talked about the Paris nightclub or the Berlin nightclub scene, right? We already talked about the uh, church I don't over. Even know where, is that the church or what the is that? Church what overhead is, kill. Okay, yeah, the yeah, overhead church. kill, right? And then I do think the other third uh, set piece that is phenomenal. Well, other than the Continental Osaka, uh, so there's four. Is the um, the fight in uh, the stairs? No, no, no. The, the, not the stairs one, actually. That one was a little, not gimmicky or whatever, but I didn't think it was as good as the fight in Paris and that famous roundabout. So with all oh, the cars, yes, 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 the yes, car yes, yes. frogger yes, action. Yes. That was crazy. Oh, my fucking God. I can't even bother trying to explain it to you, but that scene was just so... And like so thrilling, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To watch it like so on edge, so tension. Yeah, I'm glad you brought knuckle, that like, up. Oh, fuck, you know what I mean? I never thought I'd see that in a movie, like a, a full on action set piece on like what is essentially a roundabout freeway. Yeah, I, I like that you brought that up because that is another outstanding scene. I had kind of brought that up in the beginning because this is where they start using cars to try to uh, hit yeah, John Wick. Did bring that um, but uh, again, something that becomes surreal realism, them trying to stop him from you know, getting to a certain point and uh, being able to turn the city of France this really monumental place into this weird death trap where it is it based on any reality. No, they would have crashed the first second. Anybody tries to go, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, the back right away and all of these other cars would have stopped for why they keep driving while all this is going on. I don't know why. And I don't fucking care, but it looks amazing. And um, there's just all this, um, like you said, I like that you brought up Frogger. Um, that's like kind of the way that they're fighting the whole time. You know, they have to watch where these cars are going and they're going backwards. And then sudden they go, they get outside of the car. And all of a sudden you start seeing the cars being used as tools. John Wick's on a motorcycle. Yeah. You know? I, I mean. We're doing it zero justice because it's so impossible to describe. And, 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 it's, the kind, it, it, it's, the, it's, it's the kind of thing. It's the kind of scene where you're like, this is why movies exist because you couldn't do this in any other no. format or art form or whatever. Like, this is why we have movies. It's even if, things like this. Even if you wrote it in a book, you would imagine it differently. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the last thing I wanted to talk about, no quick hits this week. This is full John Wick, baby, uh, is the future of the franchise, right? Because yeah. this is much like... Uh, Mindy in Scream, you know, we're in a full fucking franchise now. This is no longer just a trilogy. Uh, we have announced spinoffs. We have, is John Wick 5 going to happen? You know, so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, you know, there's a post credit scene, which I didn't see, because I remember when we walked out of the movie, me and you were laughing. I was like, what the fuck are people waiting for? It's not a Marvel movie. And then there ended up actually being one. Apparently Marvel's broken the 
that is something they forefronted. Now, a you lot know, of movies want to sure fucking post credits. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So now it's like anything that can be considered franchisable or is in the same uh, realm as Marvel can be like, oh, but wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, there's just a little hit, right? Uh, so, post credit scene is Donnie Yen and uh, Rina Sa, Sa. What was her name? Rina Sawayama, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, kind of, if, you, if you've seen Afro Samurai, you would understand the reference of. He kills her father, and then, you know, when you're ready for me, I'll be waiting for you. Much like Kill Bill. You know, this is a classic trope of uh, action or kung fu movies, you know, is to have that. Um, so we don't know if there's going to be more of them, which I kind of would hope if if they decide to not go with more John Wick himself. Because, wow, we've gone the whole episode without saying it. He fucking dies at the end of this movie. Or does he? You know, we don't. Satisfying, by the it's way. Satisfying, yeah. Like I do think that uh, the character arc of John Wick is just like, oh, what a what a good ending too, right? To just be like, John Wick died because he wanted to die. Yeah, like that's the only way he could die is because he decided it was time. Now you know he's like, I'm waiting for you. And dude, and talk about Blade Runner. My man dies on the stairs, <laughs> just like Blade Runner. Oh man, this movie's invoking so much cinema, baby. Blade Runner, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have that potential spinoff, right? Of is John Wick going to be alive are we, and have John Wick 5? Or are we going to have a spinoff now of uh, Kane and Akira, which would also be fucking sick if they decide to kind of sidestep and make it a more of like an anthology type series? Um, I don't think that this is going to be the end of Mr. Nobody. Do you do you agree with me that it does feel like they're like there's more here than just he's a guy? Uh, I think I think now, yeah, especially the way that the, the film ends. Um, Even if he's I just, not supposed to be uh, somebody's son, I'm a, oh, I'm Ray Skywalker. There's no way that he's just this is it, right? No, he's he is a master tracker, and I think that's what the movie really is about. That he's a bounty hunter whose own gimmick or his own game here is that killing John Wick is only worth it at a certain price because there is this um, knowing how hard it is to do, and two, the affinity that he has towards him. But I do think that the fact that um, at the end how he ends up feeling about John Wick and uh, how well he is able to track I think will come back into play in terms of he is a player probably always at the disposal of some people. Like This would be a wasted opportunity if that was the end of it. Because I, I agree with you in the small runtime because he shows up a lot in the movie, but he doesn't have major parts. He just kind of is always lingering. No, he I just did saves inst- John Wick's ass. That's his only job in this movie is when they when there's a plot hole of like how would John Wick get out of this? Mister Nobody saves his ass. And but I did I did think he did a good performance. So I I, I would be interested in seeing that spinoff. I know we're supposed to get you know Anna Darmus's ballerina. So that's already completed filming, by the way. Yeah. And it's set between John Wick three and four, and it's confirmed that. Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, and uh, Lance Reddick, because he completed his part in that before he passed away. Uh, R.I.P. That's really sad, actually. Yeah. Um, so the, the, that'll be out. going to be a John Wick movie that has all of them in it. As for John Wick 5 itself, Chad Stahelski and Keanu Reeves have asked to kind of have some time to step away from the franchise for a bit. Um, I think they want to kind of sit back and... You know, how are we going to keep going with this? Um, 
Which if they decide not to and just do the spinoff stuff, I do think that they gave us a satisfying enough ending to you don't even got to watch this other shit if you're like, no, I was only here for John Wick. But I do think it's also going to be very good. I just think, like you said, the world building has me interested in a way that like Star Wars doesn't, you know, like Boba Fett and Obi-Wan or whatever. I was like, no, thanks. But I did watch The Mandalorian, you know, like Andor, as good as that supposedly is. No, thanks. Don't care. The Bad Batch. No, thanks. Don't care. For me, that world ends, starts and ends with the Skywalkers, you know? But as for John Wick, there's so, there's just so much there because it's just assassins, you know? It isn't about the, I don't know, the metaphorical Jesus that Luke Skywalker is, you know? No, yeah, I get you. It's, uh, so I'm guessing... Uh, I guess they made the Fox Force 5, you know, where you'd be like... That'd be kind of, that'd be cool. I, I trust see. Quentin Tarantino that that would be. That's good. what I was gonna say. So so Chad Stahelski is was is the director for Ballerina. No, I don't know. But oh, but, but his the, the, the they're all involved. John Wick, the same way the world of Kill Bill. I I trust this that this would be because good. like I was gonna say the only reason I am game for anything in the series is because the same way that Ryan Coogler set up Creed, I just trust that whatever is coming out of there. It's probably gonna. It's worse. Is probably still gonna get my attention. Yeah, like I'm gonna watch the Creed anime show that they're making. Yeah, this is because even if this is like it was decent, it probably was still worth my yeah, time. Yeah, I like Creed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. And Anna de Armas. I mean, when we talked about the Gray Man on the podcast, I talked about how much I couldn't action. wait for more Anna de Armas action stuff. So yeah. fuck yeah, let's fucking go. Uh, the one I'm less excited about, and I might not even watch it to be honest, is the Continental spinoff. It has a little too much uh, Alfred Pennyworth, how he became the Batman's butler <laughs> energy to me. You know, it's set in 1975. It's three 90 minute episodes about. Uh, Winston and Sharon becoming the manager and the concierge. Uh, I, I'm okay. I, I I might not even watch that depending on how good it looks. Just because. No, I'm in agreement with you. Like, that was like that was the one that got announced. I think first was a spinoff to the show of the hotel, and I guess it'd be cool because it could be an anthology. I guess of all these murders, but because. Um, I'm, you know me, I'm not too much of a TV guy. I think the only reason I am very interested in the premise of the continents and stuff like this would be because before the fourth movie, the other side characters that were installed in this didn't pull as much attraction to me as Keanu Reeves did. Um, yeah, no, but I like Donnie Yen as much as I like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, exactly. Like the guy Zero or whatever, or like Common in the second one, even though I'm pretty sure... Well, do they allude to if he dies or not? Because John looks like, I did you a professional favor by telling him... How to survive or whatever. Yeah, I don't think he did. Anyways, but even if he did, I don't care if he comes back or not. Yeah, even like I did like Common in that movie, and I, I think it's, that he was pretty good at the time. And at the end of the day, I think it just this comes down to because well, yeah, you're cool and all, but John Wick would kick your ass. But Donnie Yen, we saw no. I mean, he they're pretty e- killed John Wick. Yeah, they're pretty equal. So yeah, well, superior. He killed yeah. John Wick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then. Uh, this is something that, uh, oh, well, sorry. The last thing I wanted to say about the John Wick 5 itself is that this is tracking already to make $64 million in its opening weekend, which be, would be the highest for the John Wick franchise so far. Um, I don't think Lionsgate's going to sit around for too long and be like, hey, buddy, uh, you want to start printing money again? Like, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, I hope it's enough. I hope they give them enough time to not be like, you know what, then fuck you. We have the power to make this without you, and that's what we're going to do. Um but also, I think they do deserve a break. I I, I think uh, to try to keep things going good, I think you have to let the director, uh, the creative pieces to this film, tell you 
or what pace they want to work at. Yeah, I mean, uh, if the if the ballerina movie and the possible Donnie Yen, uh, Rina Sawayama spinoff type of stuff, if that stuff takes off, I do think we should let the actual character of John Wick. Where can he really go from here? Like to bring him back would honestly feel like a cash grab. That would which be is a funny ca- because it's like all movies are fucking cash grabs. That's why they make movies, right? <laughs> but. It, that would really feel like jumping the shark, you know, like, okay, we don't know what to do. Oh, we cloned John Wick. No, I think that's why I said that the fourth, I think, is almost going to be peak for me because at the end or anything past that for me, if he comes back, it's going to be you're, you're using a gimmick to bring him back. Or it has to be what, either further back in time or a story that he did when he was before married, right? When he was a real, he was a, he used to they're, have a real slick. The, they're going to do the Black Widow. It's when he had the slick back? Yeah, they're going to do the Black Widow move, movie thing. We're like, I know she's already dead, but this is a movie about before she was in the Avengers. Yeah. What? <laughs> you slick back, real piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. But, so uh, the last thing to close out the episode, something a little different here. Um, I, I told you that I would bring this up and you, you had already uh, mentioned it to me. Was uh, Chad Stahelski's link to make a Ghost of Tsushima movie? And I know you played that game. I have not, but I, I like it from a distance, you know? I'm like, ooh, that looks really cool. That looks like <laughs> something I would like, but I've never yeah. played it. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so I... Um, Ghost of Tsushima is one of the one of my favorite games that I've played in, I think, my whole lifetime. Um, I, there's few few games that I play, the older that I get, that I really am, like, get my whole attention when it's like a full story you know a um but ghost of shishima has um what you would expect from a movie a lot of detail in this world that i think even the creators of the game took a lot of time to make and um, i thoroughly enjoyed the world that is ghost of shishima and i think that when you have a director like chad who's done so well with the world building and john wick um to be able to have him onto the project and attach him, I think is going to bring out the same good aspects that the creative devs did. So ghost of Tsushima to me kind of seems like it was like from the little that I know about it, it seems like a video game that was, that would in a perfect world be a movie. Yeah. And I was going to say is uh, kind of going more is there is in the dev mode. There's a lot of creative choices that you can do with the cameras. And one of them is Akira Kurosawa mode. And it kind of just makes it look like a film grain 1950s movie. And I used to play on it a lot like that. So it's funny that it's being attached now to more of a cinematic, uh, you know, premise. Because I think that is kind of what the movie is about. It's a samurai betrayal story, you know. And I think is that... Is it set back in the past? Or is it like a futuristic world where samurais... No, it's in the, it's in the past. In the it's past. during the time of, of uh, like, Japanese... Like, the, 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 the times like of that. when there were samurais. Yeah, warlord. And uh, just kind of... You, you know having family ties and deception and everything that comes so in japanese traditionalism and the, exactly and so uh, you know the fact that it had the kurosawa filter i was like this is obviously evoking like whoever the devs on this team are obviously heavy heavy film like okay. nerds that's i mean that's exciting stuff yeah so to, to have him tied to that i think um it, 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 maybe that's why he wants to pause it kind of evokes to me the same energy of Metal Gear Solid, which is also something I haven't played, but I've always heard. It's like that. Those are just because he makes those because uh, he's not allowed to make movies. Yeah. Like Hideo Kojima. The same way like Death Stranding, they say it's like, that's a movie. Mm-hmm. But he just makes video games because they won't let him make movies. And I know that his goal is to eventually make one. So I, I, I these are games I've always wanted to play, like Ghost of Tsushima and Metal Gear Solid, but... I really doubt I have the time now. 
<laughs> now that I'm a dad, I'm probably never going to play these because I never had, the, I never played them when I wasn't a dad. So. They, and, and I think that those games end up being the same way that this John Wick 4 is. I felt about them pushing the medium of a game, like, you know, video games and being able to have, because they have an even crazier um, connection than the animation films where nobody's like the story in the video game is not fucking anything serious, you know? No one completely takes any of the the things that they do seriously and eat the, you know no there's no award for video game stories um death stranding obviously did really good and that's another movie or that's another game that is very similar to ghost of shizima and um to have any of those we get a lot of you know you brought up uncharted we get movies for games that i necessarily don't think have really even like Uncharted has done a lot for its world building, but I never thought that it should be a movie, you know? No, but it was a video game that was obviously just like, what if Indiana Jones was a video game? Yeah, movie, exactly. Right? But the uh, Ghost of Shizuma is like somebody saw a lot of Akira you know, they saw Kage Musha and they saw Ron and they were like, what if I evoke some of this more mythology? And I think that for it to come back full circle and for us to be able to be, you know, in the modern era, getting a movie of something like that. I'm excited for it, especially after seeing what he's done with this franchise. I'm excited for it too. And I'm also excited for the supposed Metal Gear Solid movie. That's one day going to come out with Oscar Isaac. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And Jordan something Robertson, the guy who made Godzilla, uh, the one, not Godzilla, the guy who made the Kong Skull Island movie. Mm. Anyways, that's uh so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here for this. You know, that's what I'll say. Um, I think that wraps it up. This is one of our longest episodes. I think this might be the longest one uh, since the Teton episode. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so who would have thought? Teton and John Wick. Wick you know, the duality of a movie fan, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, subscribe, comment. Tell us what you think about John Wick as a whole. Uh, if you don't like the John Wick movies, that's a gigantic L take, and I would never say that out loud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, anyways, like, comment, subscribe. If you don't, John Wick is watching you, and he's here as the protector of the Grand Cinema Hotel, so you better watch your back. He also needs your help. Yeah, he also needs your help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Rise and grind, Epic Gamers. Thank you. Bye. Bye.